Welcome to the Women Encouraged podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany Berendrecht and Brittany Robertson. We are delighted to have the chance to connect you with other women who love the Lord, who love His Word, and who are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The pro-life cause might seem like an unusual topic to bring up for a podcast that focuses on connecting women and encouraging them. But for the Women Encouraged team, this goes far deeper than just talking about a debate or about standing up for what we believe in. The reality is we are followers of Christ and we don't get the option of remaining neutral on an issue that involves protection and care for human life. We are unabashedly pro-life and believe that humans at every stage have value because God declares that they are made in His image. Unfortunately, in Canada, where we are located, there are no laws protecting the unborn. And in the U.S., protections vary from state to state, but largely it's frowned upon to speak publicly against the so-called right to kill unborn babies. We are praying that this discussion with Alyssa Globe will heighten your interest and encourage you to walk confidently in the truth of Scripture and the hope of the gospel so that you can speak the truth faithfully in love. Well, I am so grateful to be joined by my friend, Alyssa Galob. Alyssa, you work in the pro-life um, movement and in a little bit different way than a lot of people um, might anticipate. And can you share with our listeners why the pro-life cause is so deeply personal to you and um, what drew you into working in that movement? Well, the pro-life movement, uh, the pro-life cause is um, really important to me because when I was very young, um, I think I was about 13. I was in the summer. It was the summer between grade eight and grade nine. Uh, I had a pen pal. This is back before technology and before uh, email or any MSN messenger, anything like that. So, of course, I had a pen pal and she invited me mm-hmm. to go on this pro-life tour with her. And, you know, I, I grew up in a Catholic household. Uh, we would have nighttime prayers and we would always, you know, pray to end abortion. But as a tween or a, a young person, you don't really know exactly what that means. Like, you know, it's bad mm-hmm. and, you know, it has something to do with babies, but you don't really know. And your parents don't go into detail about it. Um, so when she invited me to go on this pro-life tour with her, um, I really wanted to go because she was my friend and I was pro-life. I knew that much. But um it was a very eye-opening experience, and it was actually at a time where I fa- saw uh, a f- my first image um, of, a, of an aborted baby. And I know that you know images, especially graphic images like this, can be controversial even within pro-life circles. But it was a personal encounter for me because it was um, very hard to see and very hard to look at, but it also motivated me. And from that point forward. I knew that as long as I was living in Canada where this was legal and as long as I was living, you know, on this earth, I had to do something about it. And Mm. so it led to like a journey of what exactly that was, like where my place was in the movement. And, um, Mm. And then on top of that, when I was in high school... 
I went to a public high school and one of my very good friends had an abortion in grade 10. Mm -hmm. And that was very, uh, you know, sad for me to see. And, uh, her, you know, her, she was kicked out of her house and I saw how, um, she was treated by her peers, by students at the high school. And that also really Mm -hmm. was a secondary, secondarily motivated me because, uh, I knew the struggle and the strife that women, especially young women go through when it comes to unplanned pregnancies. And I saw how the abortion affected her school life, but also her personal life and how it still affects her to this Mm -hmm. day. And so I think both of those things, um, really are very deeply personal things to me, uh, because you know, one is a very strong memory of what happened when I was at a very formative time in my life. And then secondarily to see personally how abortion affected a young woman who I was close with. And, um, from that point on, I, again, it was just like a journey of where my place was in the movement, but I knew that I needed to be in the movement and I needed to do something about this and help, um, prevent this as much as possible. Um, when you came and visited us, was it October? I guess it was October. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we got to have you and Scott over and, um, Scott is your coworker mm-hmm. and, um, you talked a bit about, um, your family mm-hmm. to the, um, to the people that also came to visit our house. And I'm wondering, would you share like your family background and, um, what's going on in your life? Who you, a bit about who you are, um, even pre pre um, teen years when the pro-life cause became so, so deep in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, my mom, uh, when she was in her first year, so I'm the oldest of nine children and the youngest is Mary and she is seven years old. And there's a greater age difference between myself and my younger sister than there's between my mom and I. So Mary and I were 23 years apart and my mom and I are 19 years apart. And that's because when my mom was in her first year of university, she went to Trent in Peterborough. Uh, she experienced an unplanned pregnancy and she came from a Catholic family and she definitely didn't want to tell her parents right away. And um, so she went to the local uh, hospital. It was right near the campus and she was sitting in the waiting room after doing the pregnancy test. And the doctor came out and said to her, you know, yes, you are pregnant. And then the very next words out of the doctor's mouth were, I'm pro baby and everything, but I can schedule you an abortion. Hmm. So without talking to my mom about any other options or about uh, what she wanted to do about the, you know, her pregnancy or the development of her child or any, anything, the very first thing the doctor offered her was an abortion. And even after acknowledging, you know, the humanity of the unborn child by saying I'm pro baby. Um, so, and that baby was me. So all, Mm. (laughs) all my mom needed to do and what many, unfortunately, many young women do in that situation is just go with what the doctor has offered. Mm -hmm. And if my mom hadn't known anything else, I could have been, you know, that, that child and wouldn't be speaking with you here today. So, I mean, even though I didn't know that story growing up, of course, um, later on, even after I joined the pro-life movement, my mom told me exactly what had happened. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it does have something to do with why out of all the nine children, I'm, you know, the one working full time in the pro-life movement and the cause affects me um, most particularly than all the other uh, siblings who are pro-life, but in their own way. So um I'm very thankful and grateful to my mom. And, you know, every year on my birthday, we always talk about it. And I'm always like very thankful to her. It's more of a celebration of her choosing, you know, life in a difficult situation than, 
you know, necessarily it is for me. So I love that story. I just think that's like, when you told that story, I had chills and I'm like, huh, you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't get to talk to you. (laughs) So I'm so grateful for your mom and just for like that God, um, just showed her right away what her decision needed to be. And that, that wasn't even, um, yeah, that, that wasn't even something that she took enough time to consider to go down that path. So, and I also want to give like a big shout out to my dad as well, because, yeah, um, you know, he stepped up right away and he, uh, you know, he finished school, uh, even though he was in his second year of university and, you know, he just got a job right out of school working in a warehouse at a flooring store, but mm-hmm. he was very motivated. He did what he needed to do to provide. And he went from being like working in the warehouse to being a salesman, to being a manager, to being an owner. And mm-hmm. um, that to me is really inspiring. You know, every time my mom told him she was pregnant, they were so open to life and to children. And he always was so happy every single time. And he was, you know, um, like a like a really good role model of what a father yeah. needs to be. And they made these two teenagers who didn't really know anything about life or love or child rearing, you know, chose life state and made it work together. And um, their marriage was always something that I saw as being beautiful. And they really had a very loving marriage, even though it was difficult at the beginning. So um, their story is very inspiring on many different levels, especially when it comes to the pro-life issue. Yeah. You're going to make me cry about your dad. (laughs) No, I just love that because so many people, you know, the, the story in our world is, um, being pregnant is too hard for you. And that's the message that is passed around is like pregnancy is so hard and it's easier, um, to just walk away from the situation and, and we'll help you do that. And, and, to have um, an example like your parents of actually choosing the hard thing um, to not cover it up, but to embrace this part of their life and just how your dad loved life so much that that's what he chose. Man, you're gonna make me cry. (laughs) Um, Can you explain what kind of work you're doing? Because this is, we are in Canada, we have listeners all over the world, which is amazing. But um, we are in Canada, you work in Canada. And this is dear to my heart because of um, my connection with and my husband's connection with pro-life work here. We do quite different work than you do, but I love what you're doing. Can you share that? Mm-hmm. Well, right out of like right out of university, I got hired at a, a pro-life organization that has been around for decades as uh, their youth coordinator. And this is my first, you know, really in-depth experience into the movement. Uh, I learned a lot. I was one of the main organizers of the March for Life, and I went to the UN UN and took a delegation there to lobby uh, on behalf of the pro-life movement in Canada for women and children. And uh, so where I worked there for about six years. And, you know, after, you know, in the middle of that, I guess I started to kind of look in and think, what, what am I actually doing, you know, with regards to the pro-life movement? Because every year it seemed to me that I would be kind of embarking on the same type of campaigns. So, you know, we would organize the life chain, the 40 days for life, the March for life. We would do our Christmas fundraiser. We would go home, celebrate new year, come back and pretty much do the same thing all over again. And 
And then the 2015 federal election happened and we went from having a conservative majority to having um, 80, you know, we went from having 80 pro-life politicians, MPs in the House of Commons to 40. We lost half of our pro-life MPs and many by less than 100 votes. And uh, because I worked for the political arm of the pro-life movement, uh, we had politicians who would call us and say, you know, we need volunteers, we need door knockers, we need help uh, to get elected. We've put our we've put ourselves on the line for you for a controversial issue because we also believe it. But now it's time for you guys to help us so that we could continue to do this in the House. And so I would call through our list. I would message people. I would do what I could. And what I realized was that Very few pro-lifers knew what it meant to volunteer. They didn't want to be involved in politics. They didn't think it was the way to go. And it was very difficult to even get a few people on each campaign. And the result of that was losing half of our pro-life politicians um, federally. So um, a few of us in the organization uh, that affected us a lot. And we started and we realized that we were kind of at a crossroads. So we could either kind of leave the pro-life movement because we didn't want to continue to do the same things, or we could start an organization um, that didn't previously exist in Canada that was solely focused on nominating and electing pro-life candidates. So we wouldn't do any other pro-life campaigns. We would just solely focus on getting as many pro-life politicians elected provincially and federally so that they can actually have a majority in the House and start passing pieces of incremental uh, legislation. So that was started about two years ago. It was yeah, a little over two years ago. And uh, we've had immediate success, uh, more so than we uh, planned. But it, I think it's a good thing because it just continuously demonstrates that you don't have to be a genius in politics. You don't have to be an experienced campaigner. Um, but if you are pro-life and you care about this issue, then we can plug you in in a way that will be most effective uh, in the pro-life movement. And that's ultimately, you know, we're results driven. We care about numbers and we won't do anything that won't push the political yardsticks forward. So right. um, that's basically what uh, I've been up to these last, uh, you know, almost 10 years, I guess. Right. And this is like, I, I'm fascinated by the traction that right now has gotten. I just watching from afar and just getting to like talk to you and Scott. Um, I don't know. It's kind of jaw dropping in a way, just the way that God has taken this and just moved you guys forward so quickly. And um, some of the successes that you've had, and it's kind of also one of those things though, that, um, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of Christians these days will say, well, you know, this isn't a a legislation issue. This isn't something we can fix with laws. And that is true. Abortion at at the heart of it is a, is a a soul issue. It's a, um, it's an issue of looking at people as created in in the image of God and having value because of that. But I think it's so important to remember that the government's job ultimately is to, to do justice and Mm -hmm. to protect um, fetuses, you know, infants in the womb are people and they deserve protection. And so I just really applaud what you're doing and um, the work you're doing. Thank you. And, you know, we really we really learn a lot from the states because people often say, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't want to be involved in politics because I think that, um, you know, we have to change hearts and minds first. And while I obviously agree that hearts and minds are very changing hearts and minds is an important tack to go. Uh, I truly do believe that um, culture is downstream from politics. And the reason why I say this is because like in the States, um, 
for the past, you know, the, the early pro-life movement, they wanted like the human life amendment. They wanted to basically overturn Roe versus Wade and that wasn't getting them anywhere for so long. And then they started to change their tactics and they started to have state by state incremental laws such as parental consent, ultrasound laws, defunding Planned Parenthood, all of these different things that were being passed. And in fact, under Obama, over 200 pieces of state legislation, pro-life state legislation were passed under, you know, the most uh, pro-abortion president. And because they kind of changed their tactics, now polls are coming out showing that millennials are more pro-life than their parents because over the last, you know, decade, they have passed these laws and people are being more open and receptive to the fact that abortion on demand is not a good thing and therefore becoming more pro-life culturally. So. Yeah, um, I think people should people can't just throw away or disregard how effective and influential politi- being involved in politics can actually be. You know, you're talking about the Obama administration and and how much happened under that um, administration state wise. And that is I just think that's amazing, too, because um, sometimes it it takes opposition to show us what our values are. Um, mm hmm. And these days, I feel like things are so polarized these days. You know, we have we have Justin Trudeau as the prime minister here. We have um, like the states has um, Donald Trump as president, mm-hmm. which is that's a whole other ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Um, and things are just they're just Christians who are just polarizing. Um, and in so many ways, it's a lot easier to pick a more popular issue to stand on. Um, And I know you face a lot of opposition um, and opportunities to just stay faithful publicly because your job is so public. Um, But you, you know, you keep a social media profile and you're not, but you're not shy about what you believe in. And I think that's a, a really hard thing for women a lot of the time, unless they've picked the popular social issue to just be their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of us, you know, it's exciting to, to see someone who's um, vocal, who's confident in in her work. Um, but if you had a friend who was, you know, was really struggling with this, how would you encourage, you know, a woman who might be nervous or feeling unsure of how to be faithful in the face of opposition or um, or sticking to, you know, what she believes in when it's not necessarily the popular choice. Mm-hmm. I get this question all the time. Like people are constantly messaging me saying, okay, should I post this? Should I not post this? And I understand yeah. that if you're not a full-time pro-life, you know, activist like myself, then it can obviously be uh, scary because you have people in your life who aren't necessarily going to agree with you on this issue and you want to keep the peace and and that makes sense. Uh, but sometimes it is important uh, to to post something or to have your pro-life views known. And the biggest reason to be perfectly honest that this is the case is because you never know who is seeing or reading your posts. And it could be a girl that you didn't know you had on your Facebook or that it showed up on a news feed because a friend commented on it or whatever the case may be. And that could actually save someone's life. And I've had firsthand experience with this on multiple occasions. And because of it, I just absolutely think that social media is an amazing platform for pro-lifers to use. But I also think we need to be prudent, like if we're posting in caps locks and very aggressive (laughs) messages that are like super offensive or whatever that then that obviously is not going to change anybody's minds. Um, But I think 
you know, during moments uh, that are particularly relevant, whether it's culturally or politically, it's okay to post something. And, uh, you know, you always, you'll always have, if you know, and if you don't know me, you can always message me and say, can you help me on some comments with some people? And I'd be happy to do that. Um, but uh, it's, it's not as big of a polarizing view as I think a lot of people think it is. Like when I was right. in university, I waitressed to pay tuition and I don't, and I never talked about this issue with people when I was waitressing. And then, you know, after I left and I graduated, I had a lot of those waitresses on my Facebook still. And when I did, when I started working full time in the pro-life movement and started posting, um, you know, there were people in high school who deleted me, whatever, like I mm-hmm. didn't really care too much, but it was interesting to see the private messages that I got from people who I never in a million years would have expected to, to be pro-life yeah. who were very pro-life and so thankful that I was writing this stuff um, and saying right. this stuff. So I think it's important to do it properly, to, you know, show that you're, you're a pro-life person, you're a Christian person. Um, you have a sense of humor, you know, post things about your family, post funny things, um, mm-hmm. And then, but also don't be afraid to post the serious stuff and post the things that actually can change people's minds. Uh, and I think that once you, once you start to do that, you'll see how the people who come out of the word work, who agree with you, who will defend you, and maybe even who your comments or posts can impact on a highly, very deeply personal level. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that to me is the greatest encouragement of just seeing how words and can affect people's lives and positions can affect people's lives, literally affect uh, their life, especially when it comes to life and death and choosing not to have an abortion. So, um, we hear so much about, um, the negative side of social media. I think that's so highlighted. Um, that's almost all we hear, I think is like, oh, you know, body image or, um, bullying or whatever. But I think it's so good to hear from you, the positive side of that. I know, um, just how valuable it is when people know where you stand on something, then you're a resource, you're, Mm -hmm. you're, um, someone they can link arms with, um, to grow as a person and as a Christian. Um, if they, if you don't ever say where you stand publicly, um, they're not going to, they might even tiptoe around you with their own feelings and, and thoughts about things um, instead of being willing and, and feeling brave enough to come out and say it. Mm-hmm. So that is so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, GK Chesterton, you know, I always use this quote and he said that a dead thing flows with the stream better than a live thing swims against it. <laughs> I think that's really prevalent. Like if we just want to go with the flow, like we're going to kind of be dead inside and we're not going to be fulfilled. And also on another note too, like I got get hate tweets and hate mail all the time and mm-hmm. I never let it bother me. Very rarely do I let it bother me. And I recently posted a video, I think it was like a year ago or a little less than a year ago. And you know how Jimmy Kimmel does those like celebrity reads mean tweets? Right. I did something similar <laughs> and I think it, it showed like it helped people think, okay, not alone. And also it don't let it bother you when you get these things. And right. um, I'm glad that I did it because I had quite a few compiled up over, <laughs> over the years. Yeah, I bet. But it's funny though, because you can choose how you respond. Like I know that I know online bullying is real. I mean, there's situations where it is really bad, but you can choose to be victimized by it or not. And so I, I think that's awesome that you did that. I remember that. Um, 
It's quite brilliant, actually. I wonder if, if everybody went around, <laughs> if we all went around reading our mean tweets. I, this is why I stay off Twitter, though. Um, yeah. That would be that would might turn around the the social media culture real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's going on in your personal life as far as um, your reading? What are you reading and studying and learning that in your Bible study um, that's just helping you to grow and stay faithful these days? Well, I think this is a really important part of working in the pro-life movement because there can be a lot of conflict, both with people who disagree with you and even, you know, with people who do agree with you. And uh, when we left and we started to kind of change the way uh, that certain pro-lifers did things like be more results driven, have a cost benefit analysis, like kind of um, go against the grain in terms of doing traditional types of activism. A lot of pro-lifers didn't necessarily agree with that. And so... Um, so I, my number one goal <laughs> throughout the years has always been to grow in patience. And I know I still mm. have a lot of <laughs> work to do in that area, but it's something that I really focus on. Um, and so I think, you know, there's, there's various readings and scriptural passages, um, when it comes to patience that I really kind of contemplate on and think about and try and figure out how I can use those best, um, best in my life because, and ultimately, and also humility, because at the end of the day, you know, if we do nominate and elect pro-life politicians to pass laws and we see uh, abortion decreasing in our country, I don't think that that shouldn't, anyone should be glorified or any organization should be glorified, but ultimately, you know, it, God should be glorified because we couldn't right. do anything uh, without God. So different verses in Philippians and Proverbs and, um, and just contemplating, you know, those specific pa- passages that deal with the virtue of patience and humility have been um, kind of my go to these days. And and also it's Lent. Um, mm-hmm. So yes. <laughs> I think this is also very pertinent. Like I really more more than I do usually, you know, contemplate the readings at church on Sundays and just to come like full circle with regards to my family my, mm-hmm. you know, my father passed away on Good Friday two years ago. Yeah. And yeah. so that the Lenten season is extra contemplative and meaningful to me with regards to life mm-hmm. after death and how um, even at hard times, remembering the fact that, you know, Christ transformed oppression into freedom and death into life and um, hatred into love. And those can be applied both to like my personal life and also my professional life. And so it's a very meaningful season to me. And those are the types of things that have been, you know, going on in my, in my spiritual life that I am, I'm hoping will only help me professionally and, and help us get where we need to be. Oh, I just, oh, I just love that. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart in all of this and um, just what you're doing. And if people want to check out, it starts right now. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? That's Mm -hmm. the web. And is it dot org? It's dot CA. Okay. It starts right now dot CA and um, get a good look at what Alyssa and Scott are doing. And I love knowing all this because I love getting to pray for you and yeah, you're definitely on my heart. And so I'm just grateful for your um, testimony here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing the podcast. (laughs) 
So I was really, really excited that I was going to get to talk to her and that we were going to get to introduce Alyssa to the Women Encouraged community. She took a topic that can be a little stressful and confusing and made it seem so simple. Yeah, she's and and the thing that is awesome, too, is that she's very approachable about the whole thing. Um, she understands how some people feel like this is a nuanced topic, and yet she really holds fast to what she believes in about it. And I love that. Um, I love that she's so convicted and that she's so bold with her convictions. And um, she's going to do great things with this. They're already doing amazing things with Right Now, and I just love that we get to stand with them. Um, this is not the particular kind of pro-life ministry that we've um, really been engaged in. But, you know, you know how Alex and I have been, um, our, our lives in a lot of ways have been invested in pro-life work um, in this area. And it's one of those things like once you're in, you're either you're either in or you're not. There's no sitting on the fence with this. And um, yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm totally in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, let me just make sure I make my stance firm here, too. <laughs> Right, but not everybody is active, yeah. right? Like everybody, mm -hmm. you have to pick a side. And this is one of those things where it's like, we've talked about it before where um, it's not like, well, that's your truth. And this is my truth. It's like, no, there is such a thing as truth. And on this topic, we want to stand firm just like on the truth of the gospel, on who Jesus declares himself to be, you know, who, what, you know, what God says about himself in scripture, that is a non-negotiable for us. Human beings are made in the image of God and that's what gives them value. And, um, and so we will, we, we're going to stand on that issue there, but yeah, it's, it is, it's a sensitive topic and it affects many women very differently. Um, and yet it is, it's absolutely worth um, giving our voice to this issue. And, and I really liked, although this is an unusual topic for us to uh, introduce into the Women Encouraged podcast, because up until this point, we've been discussing reading our Bibles and how that looks and staying in the word and um, keeping our eyes on Jesus. But I love that she shared a lot about how we as women um, can be introducing these more uncomfortable topics in our social media. And that is applicable to all of us, although we may not all be um, actively involved in the government or how this is all unfolding in real time. We do have our voice and it is louder now than it ever has been before because of social media platforms. But I do think that we are sometimes maybe making more of a mess than we are um, encouraging people and making the stand that we I think our hearts are in the right place. We want to make the right stand, but it it maybe makes ends up making more of a mess. And I love how she shared um, kind of how she tackles that and isn't afraid to share um, every once in a while on her different social media platforms what she stands for, um, but with an encouraging tone. Yeah. And I think it's so important to to highlight that whether or not you post on Facebook or Instagram um, you live your life in public. I, I remember this friend of mine, um, who in like, he's a friend, old friend from college and like literally never talked to this person anymore. I used to be really good friends with him and his wife. 
And our friendship basically dissolved when he told me that it was fine for me to be Christian as long as it didn't leave my house with me. And I was like, um, except that this is who I am. And that's not the way the world works, because it's not like your atheism stays inside your door with you. You know, you carry who you are with you at all times. And we're people who name the name of Christ. We're people who are baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is on us that we carry this into the world with us. And we want to be people who carry it faithfully. So wherever you go, you're you're there and you can't, you know, separate what you believe in from who you are. And some people do it well and some people do it poorly. We want to be women who do it well and who do it faithfully. And so I really love that we got the opportunity to talk about that because nobody here is saying like, oh, well, you if you believe that um, that infants in the womb have value, then you have to put it on Facebook. You have to talk about it on Instagram. Nobody's saying that. But be aware that you have the opportunity and, and it might might come up um, sooner rather than later. You have the opportunity to let people know what you stand for, and you don't ever know how that's going to impact somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, I have a friend who had the opportunity to help another friend save her baby's life because she was vocal enough and yet approachable enough that this friend of hers who had an unplanned pregnancy knew who to go to, um, knew who to talk to. That child was brought into the world and but be people that are, you nailed it, approachable and full of love. So those who are, um, you never know somebody's story. You never know yeah, what shoes no. they are walking in. You never know. It might be somebody you would just never think. Um, and that goes for any uh any hard issue that that might need to be tackled and so keeping in mind that you never know who you're talking to or who's watching you or who's listening and the more that you exude the love of Jesus that makes you approachable and they will feel safe to come to you and um, know that you are going to give them like direct them in the in the right direction down the right path that's so awesome that your friend exuded that 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 this girl felt comfortable to say, you know, to turn to her, but, but to trust her opinion. Right. You know, if I go to Safeway and I'm standing in the checkout line, um, and the person ringing me up is, you know, maybe they're having a bad day and they're kind of, they seem ill-tempered or, I can make a choice to treat that person like they might be my future brother or sister in Christ. I have no idea what God is going to do in their life when I leave that store. I only encounter them for those, you know, those few minutes. And um, we can kind of look at, you know, social media the same way. Like, and for some reason, being on <laughs> being behind a keyboard and a screen somehow emboldens people. And some people say things that yeah. are t- truly heinous. And yet you have the opportunity to respond with grace and speak the truth. Like, don't hide. No, don't hide the truth. Speak the truth and don't be afraid of it. Remember that um, you don't know what God is going to do in that person's life. And be brave, be bold, but have grace. 
And while you were while you were um, saying like you're standing in the checkout, I was thinking instead of our face, what if it was our screen and whatever we were tempted to write (laughs) or the article that we were tempted to post, that that was what was scrolling through for people to look at us and be reading that. And that that was how we were representing the the thing we believe in and stand for, but also ourselves. Uh, Would you want to stand there and have that being what you've actually attempted? to yourself or no we we have to really hold ourselves accountable for the things that we say and how we act when we're sitting behind that keyboard or or the articles we're resharing or any of those things um that they that if we're sharing them on our feeds uh, we are accountable for that and it it attaches to us right so Mm -hmm. um Um, How many people am I going to win over, first of all, by sharing this on my social media? But or how many people are going to be won over because they know that I have convictions and that I stand strong, um, but that I am a kind, compassionate person that has love for everybody. You can pick up on that in an article or a snarky comment very quickly, but we don't want to ever own up to like that that actually is now being showcased as a part of ourselves or our personalities or whatever. So, oh, it's just something I shared or, oh, I didn't even read it or, <laughs> you know, right. I didn't mean it that way or so just putting thought in um, and being very cautious about how you're going to stand firm in your convictions because, yes, we 100% believe we must stand firm in our convictions. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I can think of, a, of several friends just off the top of my head who... Um, they are very dedicated to, for example, one of my one of my good friends and um, she lives in town here. Her her ministry and her mission, the 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 thing that God has laid on her heart more than anything is is the pro life cause. And so when you get to know this person, you know that's what she's about. Mm-hmm. You know that. And so when you there's no disconnect between her social media and when you meet her in person there would be no confusion about who she is as a person at the same time, um, that she is a compassionate person. She is a passionate and compassionate person. She is, um, bold. She speaks boldly. And yet, um, yeah, there's, I'm just, I'm encouraged by the fact that there is no disconnect. You don't wonder where she stands on anything. Um, and she's using, she's using her opportunities. She's using her voice for the thing that she really, she really, um, believes wholeheartedly in. And she's an inspiration to me. That's awesome. This conversation with Alyssa and, um, just talking to you about this made me think about, um, what Peter says in first Peter two. Um, he talks about how, how we are to live as God's chosen people. So he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And then this is the thing that really came to mind. He says, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And that really needs to be our um, our theme first for our, for our Facebook page, right? Live as people who are free, but don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. That's who we serve. We don't serve 
um, popularity. We don't serve. We, we don't live as servants of fear either. We don't need to live in fear that um, somebody might reject us because we believe that babies are created in the image of God. I love that verse. And I think it's a great idea to um, even have scriptures like that written out and next to our computer or in a note section on your phone, if that's what you usually use. And just to be rereading over it when you are discerning what to share and how to post it or how you want to word that and be intentional with what we're posting. And if we've taken that time to sit back, read through a scripture, that one or another one that would be similar and pray, pray, then how much more can we stand firm when we're like, yes, this is this fits that complete freedom to just stand joyfully and not be worrying about. Sorry, I also wanted to say, I think sometimes a good um, red flag is if when you're thinking about sharing something, your immediate thought is, oh, everybody's going to get right weight worked up about this. And I'm going to put on my I'm ready to go to battle in a defensive attitude kind of state. You pause, (laughs) pause and get your heart in the right place. Read through those scriptures uh, and really meditate on what your goal is in sharing something and how you're going to share it. Uh, and then and then go ahead once you've gotten your heart right, because that to me is always a red flag is just to 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 take a moment to really think it through and be intentional. I think that's what I loved so much about your interview with Alyssa. And this conversation is just the motivation that we can walk in freedom, um, but that we can also be intentional with our voices to do good. Just in closing, I mean, the reality is that we will face opposition as Christians. We're going to face people who say, I don't like that you said this. I don't think it's true. And um, there are going to be people like what Peter says, there are going to be people who speak against you as an evildoer, but you don't want to be giving them, handing them. Well, yes, look at this, (laughs) this horrible thing, you know, and you want to make sure your heart's in the right place so that when that inevitably, inevitably comes you are standing firm, like you are in freedom and it's not going to knock you down. Yeah. Have a clear conscience, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. Amen. Amen. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. 
Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you. Our heart is wide open. 2 Corinthians 5:14 through 6:11. We are commissioned to preach the gospel to every creature. We carry Jesus with us everywhere we go, and we can live faithfully and fearlessly in our homes, churches, workplaces, online presence, and beyond. And we can speak the truth faithfully in love. Jesus is reconciling the world to God, and that is both exciting and powerful. May we always be controlled by the love of Christ and share that message faithfully.